Go Loud presents Average Joe and the Pro. And it all kicks off right here. This is Average Joe and the Pro. And we're underway. Hello and welcome to Average Joe and the Pro. This is episode nine. How are you getting on? I'm Gary. And I'm Connor. And today we have an absolutely brilliant episode lined up for you. Richie Ryan, Temple to his finest man. <laughs> He, and there has been a few fine men to come out of Temple Tui, but this one, he takes the biscuit. He has had an amazing career. Played for teams like Sunderland, Scunthorpe, Royal Antwerp, and of course, who could forget the time at Sligo Rovers. Shamrock Rovers, he kind of goes over as well. But <laughs> Dundee, and then he spends some time in the States where he currently is now at El Paso FC. An absolute gent. We'll be getting into the podcast in a couple of minutes' time, but what I will say is... Now, I know you say you're an agent and you like to go and get all these players. And in fairness, hat tip for the old Richie Ryan one there. I didn't think I could top that. What I tried to do is, I'll leave them unnamed. I tried to get us a League of Ireland referee, a referee who's been around for 15 years. And I had a discussion with him and I tried to get him on, but he wasn't having it. And that's fair <laughs> enough. I understand because, to be fair, we would have just abused him. And he, he could see that coming. But he did give me a couple of little stats, facts and things that I never knew about the game. Okay. okay, when I was just chatting away to him. A few rules that you would never believe are actual rules in football. This is all over the world. Did you know, right, that if you have a penalty in the game, now I'm not talking about a penalty shootout, a penalty in the game, if you hit that penalty, it hits the post and comes back to you and you score, it's a free out. What's that about? I've no idea. I thought it was mental. So it has to hit the goalie or go out of play. Well, obviously you can't go out of play. If, 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 if the goalie saves it, it comes back to you, it scores. That's a rebound great. then, that's a, a rebound then, that's obviously. fine. Yeah, but if it hits the post, post or the bar and comes back and you score, that's sure, not a goal. there's been no. a time, Gary. I'm say, I, I can't think of any. The only one I can think of in my head for some reason is the Xavi Alonso penalty in, in the Champions League final. But that came back off Dida's big fat head and then he scored. Yeah. But I, I, like, I just think that's mad. I have another one here for you as well. So if a goalie, let's say in a situation where you're abusing the goalie because he let in a couple of stupid goals and he has a goal kick, right? Yeah. If he gets pissed off, turns around and kicks the ball into his own net from his goal kick, what do you think happens? The goal to the other team. No, a corner to the other team. That's what? a rule. That's a real rule. This referee that you were on to... Yeah, 15 years. This guy knows better than me and you. Well, that would never happen anyway. Here's another one. Oh, here. In a penalty shootout... If you shoot, and you've seen these stupid Instagram videos when a player would shoot and it hit the bar, right? And the goalkeeper would be walking away because his players hit the bar and the oh, ref would be standing. And the ball comes down and then bounces in front of the goal and then bounces into the goal. And oh, the player the backspin, that. Yeah. The backspin, player runs away screaming and shouting and roaring, great stuff he scored. That's not a goal. Because the ball has gone back the way it came, even just for an inch or two. And that means it's a save. If the ball goes forward from the goalie at any situation in a penalty shootout, that's considered a save. So if a goalie saves it, knocks it forward, and the backspin puts it into the goal, that's no goal. Oh, no. This is the stuff I was learning about. I'm not having any of that. I swear, like, I swear to God, I hope you're ever in a situation, right, where you hit a penalty and it hits the goalie and backspins in, and you go off celebrating, you think you're great. No, but if, if I hit a penalty and it hits the post and it comes, bounces back to me, I'm smashing it in the net like... Absolutely, but it's a free gone, out. No, it's not it's a free out. out. It's a free out. Anyway, I'm we're going to get... I'm not having any of that. All right, League of Ireland ref tells me this and you're telling me you're smashing <laughs> in the back of the net. Just let it go through your legs and let someone else score. Be a nice guy. No, okay, fair enough. But that's mad. I just thought that was hilarious. Anyway, what we'll do is we'll get into the podcast. Richie Ryan, Wow. Unbelievable, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a man that's been around the block again, yeah. but mainly between Ireland and uh, the UK and obviously the States. So, yeah, brilliant, and uh, he's had a fantastic career. I should have asked him about those penalty situations as well. He does seem like the type that would have one, and he's took penalties in his time as well. Fuck it. Anyway, here he is, Richie Ryan. Enjoy. Average Joe. And the Pro. Average Show and the Pro, episode nine. It is an absolute pleasure and an honor to welcome one of the biggest guests we've had on the podcast yet, Sligo legend, League of Ireland hero, Richie Ryan. Richie, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for thanks for having me on. We always ask this the same question on the podcast, Richie. It's our first question we ask it to every guest. When did you know that you were going to be a pro footballer? Um probably from from the age of twelve to sixteen. I, I'd moved to play with Belvedere schoolboys up in Dublin. Twelve was when I, I first got the chance to go go on trial to Everton. And then a few more trials came from then and contracts and stuff like that were offered when I was about fourteen. So that was that was always 
it was always what I wanted to do, so I never really stuck in, which will probably come back and bite me in the arse now. <laughs> <laughs> but you, uh, you eventually went on and you obviously said you had your few years at Belvedere, but you, you signed a contract with Sunderland. Um, yeah. Did you turn down other offers before that? I had, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'd narrowed it down to a few clubs. I'd narrowed it to Spurs and Blackburn Rovers. And Sunderland was probably the place I felt most at home to have players around me and Irish lads really that had been through what I was going to go through and through that period. So that was that was one of the main reasons why I went to Sunderland. And obviously the Irish connection there, um, the manager being a man who managed Ireland in the 2002 World Cup, Mick McCarthy, he was obviously a big part in signing there. He signed a lot of Irish players to Sunderland. So it must have been a kind of a home away from home for you there. It, it was, which, which which was good because it, it helped you settle in and you knew the lads had been through what you were going through. Being away from home at 16 is not easy. On the flip side of that, then there's... <laughs> the older lads were, were tending to go out and you sort of fall into that path as well because it's what it's what you're doing. And, um, yeah, maybe, maybe if there wasn't so many Irish, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have <laughs> gone into that crap a few times. That is the thing you see, because, you know, when you did sign, it was a 2003, this would have been the era where players, not, not that I'm saying they were less professional, but they would have really enjoyed their, their, their free time and their spare time and stuff like that. So, and with the players that were there, I had a look at the Wikipedia and a couple of the lads that were there, you, you know, you had the likes of Kevin Phillips there, who was a true pro, but also liked a bit of crack as well. And surely yeah. you had, and as well as that, the, the, the region that you would have been in, anyone knows Newcastle, Sunderland, that, that up there is a good stag spot. So I'm sure you were kept busy up there. I think I ended up on a few stags in Newcastle <laughs> that I wasn't even invited on. <laughs> but there was definitely, and you can see that it was far less professional back then than what it is now. I, I think the drinking culture was, if you, if you didn't fall into that type of life, it was sort of frowned upon. At the same time, you, you, you make your own decisions. You have to be your own person and, and make the decisions as best for you as a person. So, and you I, don't, as, I don't think I did. <laughs> as, as a young Irish book coming in, fresh face, going up to, to, to that part of the world, uh, were you hazed in as a young lad in that team? Like, What were the older players like with you? Would they, would they, would they do anything crazy? The Irish lads, the Irish lads like Niall Quinn, Kevin Kilban, McAteer, they, they always looked after the young Irish the, the U team players like taking us out for dinner, taking us out for drinks, whatever. Um, like the Christmas parties and everything. They they look after all the Christmas parties for the youth players. So a lot of underage drinking would happen, you know. <laughs> uh, He's gonna ask but, me to but, edit that out, but I'm gonna leave that one in, Richie, all right. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 done all they could to, to make the to make the youth players and the young Irish lads feel as at home as possible, being away from home. And did you have to do the, the YT stuff, as in cleaning senior player boots, the the yeah. usual crack like that? The sing songs and stuff. Yeah, the sing wasn't too bad in the sing songs. I think as long as you as long as you got your boots cleaned and the and the the training facility was cleaned, I don't think the the first team players were too hard on us with regards to doing the sing sing songs and stuff like that. As long as their boots were clean, they were happy enough. And then you got your little bonus at Christmas to yeah. go out for your few drinks and that. So I was going to ask, did you, who, who did you have as your as your senior player? I had Claudio uh, Reyna and Gavin McCann. Oh, sorry, who's uh, that first one there? Claudio Reyna. Oh, the midfielder. The, 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 midfielder the, he, yeah. he played for Man City as well, didn't he? What a shout. Ah, look, yeah, I have yeah. a bit of knowledge. I have a bit of knowledge here. <laughs> <laughs> so they're two, they're two good ones. Like, obviously, those lads wouldn't have had the dirtiest boots anyway. Do you know? Like, they're kind of the silkier ones. So you kind of had an easy job there, in fairness. Yeah, they, they, they were always dead on with me. Like, Claudio used to, like, throw me two or three pairs of boots at Christmas and a few hundred quid. So I, I made sure I kept cleaning the boots properly. <laughs> Even after he went to Man City, you were like, "Here, any chance of me coming down and cleaning the boots?" Come down and clean them down there for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, obviously, it wasn't just cleaning boots and uh, and being minded by older players and going out and getting your Christmas bonuses. You played a bit of football when you were at Sunderland as well. I actually know that the debut that you made for Sunderland was the biggest possible one you could have made, wasn't it? Newcastle versus Sunderland. What was that like? crazy like I, I didn't even know I was in the squad we played on the Thursday night against Liverpool in a reserve game and um, I played the second half and I played I played pretty well in the game and Big Mick was at the game and Friday morning I trained with the under 19s under 17s and 19s at the time um, came back in after training and I, I had plans to 
fly back to Ireland that Friday afternoon, go down the tip for the night, go out with the lads or whatever. Um, and, and then we had the FAI awards were on the Sunday night up in Dublin. And then I was going to fly back in the morning. That, that was me. I, I was all excited for a weekend at home with the lads and yeah. see your family and stuff. Um, and then the reserve team manager came in and he says, Richie, come here. I want to speak to you. So I went out. I said, what's wrong? He says, uh, what, what's your plans for the week? So will I fly home today, Jockey? We've got the awards on Sunday. And he said, no, Gaffer's cancelled it. I said, what do you mean he's cancelled it? He says, it's been planned for weeks. And he says, no, he says, you're, you're in the first team squad tomorrow. I said, fuck off, you're taking the piss out. <laughs> and he, he, he just said, no, come, come down to the first team side of the, the training ground. And uh, the gaffer wants to see you. And I swear to God, my heart's never raced so fast. I'm like, he's fucking serious here. Oh, Jesus, here we go. And then Michael Gray, who was club captain at the time, he was on the way out of the, the changing room area. And he stopped and shook me. All the best. I'll see you tomorrow. And I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Wow. And that, that was it. And then Big Mick pulled me into the office and said, uh, have you got a suit for the game? And I said, no, I don't own a suit. And um, he said, well, you, you better get yourself into town and buy yourself because you need to you need to be dressed smart for tomorrow. To put it into context as well, this is a very good Newcastle team. This is the Alan Shears, Craig Bellamy's, maybe Nobis Solano was there as well, Nicky Bush, there would have been, Stephen Carr would have been there, Shea Given would have been the goalkeeper. This is uh, when Newcastle fans uh, think of, of good squads they've had. They obviously think of those ones in the 90s and they think of the early naughty squad. So it wasn't like you were going in and this is an easy game. Like you're coming up against the likes of, of Alan Shearer. And do you know, I, I don't know for sure, but Santiago Munez may have been on the bench for that game. Oh, as well. <laughs> Christ. He's been on the bench for many games. <laughs> but what was it like then, the atmosphere of the game itself on game day? Unbelievable. I, I started on the bench and I was just sitting there just looking around. And like my family didn't even have time to get over. So that, that was the disappointing part. But I was just sitting there looking around thinking, what the fuck's happening here? <laughs> yeah. You were supposed to be yeah. home in Temple 2 drinking <laughs> pints. Yeah, I was supposed to be out tonight before with the lads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have been tucking into a breakfast roll at this stage. like. <laughs> looking forward to a full Irish it was Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you get the shout, come on, what's that like? Yeah, just, just surreal, like. I'm just looking around, there's 49,000 people there and I'm thinking, fuck, don't make a mistake. Don't do anything stupid. Um, <laughs> don't do anything stupid, I thought, going on the field and then coming off the field. I walked off the field with Jeremy and Genius's jersey. Oh, like, oh Jesus. <laughs> on your debut. <laughs> it, was, it, it was inside out, so it wasn't as bad. <laughs> but a few years later... Um, I played at Boston United with a, my old physio. His son was at Boston United as well. And he was a big, big Sunderland fan. And he was saying, oh, I remember being there that day. And I was thinking, fucking, he looks, he looks like a good player. Like, could be a big future for him at the club. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, that went downhill real quick. But and then he said to me, and then I seen you walking off the field with your main genius's fucking jersey. <laughs> And I thought, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> I'm like, Clarky, I, I was eighteen years of age. I hadn't a fucking clue what was happening in my life. Yeah, yeah. You were just happy. You were just happy to get a jersey. Yeah, like Jimmy, Jimmy and Gina, like a fucking top player. Mm. And then there's me, little fella from Tipperary, coming on, just thinking, I'll, I'll take his jersey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> He, he, probably, he probably threw mine in the bin. But, <laughs> you never but, know, though. Honestly, you never know with these lads. He could be he could be rocking up to a five-side Astro on a Monday <laughs> evening with his boys now and it's just, <laughs> with the Sunderland jersey with your name and number on the back there. Uh, I'm pretty sure he no idea who the fuck Richie Ryan was anyway. So. Well, he listens to the podcast, so he'll know now. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably get a message off yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for the game itself, like what? Do, like I know, like obviously it was a long time ago, and when you're playing in such big games and big moments, not that I know, but I assume it's just a big blur. What do you remember from the actual game? Just a, a big wave of noise. I remember just running down the field and just hearing a wave of noise. I couldn't hear what the fans were singing. It was just, I, I had no idea what was going on. Really, I was just trying to concentrate so much on not making a mistake. And did you get many minutes, Richie? 
I played like 16, 17 minutes that okay. felt like Enough 116 minutes. I'd say, I'd say, so, I'd I'd say you're say. so so jittery and nervous about it. Like, it's one yeah. mistake, one mistake there, and it is. It wouldn't be Jermaine yeah. Genius's jersey that'd be ripped off you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember the first pass I got was from uh, Jody Craddock, who was playing at centre back. And he just fired the ball into the midfield at me. I thought, fucking hell, Jody, give me a chance. <laughs> and I, I just fired it one touch back to Tommy Sorensen, was the goalkeeper, and I thought, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just set first, pa- first pass done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously then, game time was kind of limited, Richie, then, in, in the first team. And the opportunity yeah. came to go on loan to Scunthorpe. Um, how did you find the, the loan move? How did that work out for you? Uh, yeah, it was like the following season after making my debut, hip, uh, two hip surgeries. So I was out for 10 months. Wow. And then I still had I still had one year left on my contract after that. To be honest, I, I, I pissed my chances away. I hadn't looked after myself through my injury and stuff. And I think I, I painted a picture of myself that change now, I would. Right. Within the within the first team staff, so it was going to be very hard for me to to get back in, and then the opportunity towards the end of the following season to go on on loan to Scunthorpe for three months, uh, which was it was different. It was different. I, I didn't really break in. I got there, but I was doing enough that they they wanted to keep me and wanted to sign me permanently for the following season. It was yeah, it it, it was a decent chance for me to go and sort of rejuvenate myself again and, and get some games which, which was going to be huge for me I signed our permanent then I, I started well in the season and I think I played like 12, 13 games on the bounce and then I got sent off in a game and that was me out the window Mad. Had, a bit of, had a bit of red mist <laughs> so, some fella smashed me in a tackle and as I was on the ground he's called me a, an Irish you can curse. Let's see, you can curse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rhymes with bunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rhymes with bunt and starts with C. As he said that to me, I've just yeah, I've just seen red and just cracked him with an elbow. So that was me off suspended for three games and really get back in the team after that. Um, played played big parts coming off the bench and stuff, but just sort of petered out. And then they 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 didn't offer you a new deal, was it? Then towards the end of that season, yeah, yeah. So they didn't offer me a new deal, and then it was it was Boston United who offered me two year deal, or Port Vale who offered me a one year deal uh, on less money. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, Boston. I'd spoken to the managers who was Steve Evans. I don't know if you're aware of Steve Evans. Yeah, ex uh, ex Leeds United, Rotherham. I think he's currently Gillingham manager. But uh, I, I'd spoken with him and had a good conversation at that time, but it was basically a load of fucking lies that he told me. He told me that he was going to build a team around me and he wanted to play good football, possession-based football, going through the midfield and blah blah I signed for him. I played first pre-season game was a few days after against Barnsley. And uh, Colin Healy had left Sunderland and went to Barnsley at the time. I was playing against Colin and um, we obviously knew, our, knew each other from, from being at Sunderland together. <laughs> first half I got a ball rolled out to me in the midfield from the goalkeeper I tried to play a through ball to Julian Georgium and he was just offside and flag went up free kick given whatever nothing nothing moment in the game Yeah, yeah. and I went in at half time and got the biggest bollock I've had in my career I'm just sitting there thinking is he really fucking going at me here for getting the ball off the goalkeeper Wow. and he was like I don't give a fuck who you've played for what coaches have said before, you do not get the goal, get the ball off the goalkeeper at my club. What? And he's still managing he today. Well, Is he managing today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Gillingham, I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if he's changed. But... I, I heard a story, Richie, and I don't know. It was actually on a different podcast about Steve Evans, um, and his warm ups. Okay. I don't know if, if you heard this, where he, it was at Rotherham, I think he was doing it, where you do two minutes. Uh, everyone every day two minute jog two minutes at 70% and two minutes flat out was that something that was that was there thankfully he hadn't started that right, in Boston. Okay. <laughs> he's doing he's, I heard on a podcast he's doing that at Rotherham um, I think Ben Pringle Ben Pringle um, yeah. said it 
and he said it was absolute torture. Yeah. Every single day, recovery and everything. Yeah. You're doing two minute sprints as your warm up. Yeah. Well, those boys must have loved getting the ball off the goalkeeper if he was punching them like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was just thinking, why have I signed here for a couple of years? Yeah. Like, this is not what I signed up for. And then we went out for the second half, and I'm standing beside Colin, and he went, Was he screaming at you? <laughs> He's heard the ball it. Off. They could hear it from the... Ah, you're joking me. Oh, my God. Word for word, they could hear everything. And he's like, all the best for the next couple of years. <laughs> Good luck. You stuck it out, though, Richie, did you? <laughs> I, I, I stuck it out for one year, and then the club went tits up. So they tried to go into administration 10 minutes before the end of the season. So they didn't get the 10-point deduction in the conference. But then the conference wouldn't accept it, and... So we we all we were all free to leave, which was music to my ears, to be honest. Yeah, and and you land then in Belgium, Richie, yeah, Royal Antwerp. Landed in Belgium somehow, yeah. <laughs> and was that um, Royal Antwerp? Are they in the top division? They are now. Now they were second division at that time. Okay. okay. Um, huge, huge football club. Uh, I, I tried to leave Boston after six months through uh, the former former chief executive at Sunderland knew the, the head coach at Royal Antwerp and they tried to get me in the January but Evans being Evans wouldn't allow me to leave Mad. Even, even though he wasn't playing me the move came around again that summer and I, I jumped at the chance um, the head coach was the head coach was Warren Joyce who was he, he ended up leaving Antwerp and going reserve team manager at Manchester United with okay. uh, okay. Um yeah so that that, that was that was a great experience going over there. I, I was disappointed it only lasted for a year because Joycey left. Mm. And yeah, it sort of just came to an end for me and, and two other, an Irish boy and uh, an English fella that had moved over with me as well. But then things really started getting good for you then, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, then, then the, fun, the fun began. <laughs> then you landed back home. Yeah, I... I I had the opportunity to go back home. It, it came around actually from Belgium. Uh, ex-teammate of mine, English fella in Belgium, Sean Doherty. Um, Sean ended up going back to Sligo, I think in that year, end of January, February. And Cookie, Cookie knew Sean from, from they were both, both from Liverpool. Doc, Doc called me at the end of the year and said, look, Cookie's looking for a midfielder. Would you be interested? And then I spoke with Cookie and fuck it, let's let's do it. Even though he offered me absolutely buttons to come back. <laughs> he knew you just wanted to go home and he was taking advantage of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, he was taking a piss out of me. So yeah. look, I didn't have I didn't have a huge amount of options. And you know, sp- speaking with Cookie, he's very much a salesman. And he, he made, makes everything sound better than it, it might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was happy to do it, and you know, it was an opportunity for me to to fall back in love, which which took longer than I anticipated as well. But. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say, did did you hit the ground running? Um... <laughs> I, I hit the ground, and went backwards at the beginning. <laughs> I, think. I, I think I went backwards out the gates at the showgrounds and across the moon. <laughs> and what do you put that down to? Yeah, I, th- I think we, we were just fucking carnage. There wasn't really a winning culture in the club. Um, it, it was more like we're just here for a laugh and a good time. Yeah. I, and at, at that, that moment in my life, my career, I was just there for a laugh and a good time as well. So 2008 was a shambles. I, I think we, we finished just above relegation. It was like a celebration. We won the league just surviving. Yeah. And it, then 2009, we obviously made it to the cup final and we got, we got beat by Fingal, which I think was probably the biggest, the biggest eye-opening experience for us as players at the club because we were so close to having success. But there was just something missing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that something missing was a little, bit of, a little bit of cop on as a group of players. And how did you find that then in, let's say, 2010, 2011? Like, what, what, what changed? Uh, we brought, I think Cookie made a great decision to bring in the likes of Joseph. Um, Legend. Jo- 
Joseph, yeah, Joseph, one of, if not the best player I've ever played with. Um, he, just Joseph and Jim McLaughlin, which a lot of people probably don't speak as much. I think the influence that Jim had on the team, we, we were all mid-twenties, enjoying life. Like, yeah. Um, and, and Jim Jim came in and Jim was 34, 35 at the time. And obviously Joseph was 35 as well. Very different, very different characters. But Jim was big into the gym. He was always exercising, looking after his body, doing the weights, doing protein shakes. And, you know, boys started to look at these things and started to think, fuck, like he's still playing 34, 35. Like he, he must be doing something right. Yeah. And boys are having conversations with Jim and the next thing fucking somebody else is coming in with a tub of maxi muscle and <laughs> yeah. the protein. There. <laughs> the protein tubs everywhere in the change room then on, you know. Um but we, we still we still enjoyed ourselves on the weekend. I think we had a decent start to the season and once the results start to come and you start to see that you're winning every week and you're doing these little things you start to think, well, these are going to have an impact on us. Cookie was Cookie was brilliant. Like he wanted a, a squad of players that were together and that enjoyed a good time. So like he'd, he'd say to us, "Look, win, lose, or draw on the weekend. Go and enjoy yourselves." Yeah. Now, if we lost and we went out, he'd be fucking raging with us. But yeah, he, he used sense. to say that. But on a Friday night, he'd give you the weekend off, or a lot of the games are home or away on a Friday night, or at the showgrounds on a Saturday night. And we go out after the game and we do an all-day session on a Sunday. But once once you got back in one, it was it was pure focus for, for the next game, which hadn't been like that the previous two seasons. I'd just like to touch on one thing before we go forward. Um Joey and Doe, right? Like when I was younger, I used to pop onto YouTube and watch, I'd say, a good hour or two of nothing but Ronaldinho compilation videos. But Ronaldinho must have popped onto YouTube and just watched Joey and Doe videos. The chap was insanely good. He would try he would try things a drunk lad on a night out wouldn't do with an empty can. And he'd try it in the most important moments on a pitch, do you know? And it must have been crazy to watch him just do his thing. Unbelievable footballer. Like and I go back to Cookie again. A lot of managers and coaches probably wouldn't accept how unique Joe is. Like Cookie would say to Joe, go and do your own thing. Mm. Joe wouldn't train with the team until a Wednesday or Thursday. We'd be doing the team stuff and you'd see Joseph just jogging around the field and doing his and juggling a football for an hour. Yeah. And you think, how the fuck is he that good? <laughs> but it was like, and, and, and Cookie said, Joseph is Joseph. He just needs to do his own thing, yeah. and he'll be ready for he'll be ready for Friday. And, and then Friday night comes, and we're like, give him give him the ball, and he he makes things happen. He was wonderful. Yeah, he was unbelievable to watch. Playing two World Cups, like the experience Joseph brought to us was unbelievable. He, he's the he's the he's the reason Sligo Rovers had success. I find it fascinating that he's still in Sligo. Why wouldn't he? He's a living legend, you know? You should be in Sligo still, to be fair, you know? Like, it should be the two e-books, like, down the pub every evening going, you know, we did in 2011. (laughs) Uh, Maybe maybe one day we'll be back there. I don't know if Joe will have a few points, but I will. Average Joe and the Pro. Touching on 2011 then, um, winning the FAI Cup, how was that moment you being the the uh, winning captain as well yeah it, it, it was special for me because I, i'd missed out on the final the year before through suspension um so to get back there again the following year and and have the chance to to lead the team out uh in front of in front of all the fans at the aviva in front of my family friends and that was that was a special moment for me and and obviously to go and win it again the second year in a row um, second year at the Aviva to win it the first two times was was a huge achievement for us as a group of players and for the club. And like, uh, obviously winning winning the the FAI Cup, you you had a brilliant uh, personal season in 2010 as well. I think you got PFAI uh, Player of the Year. Um, then the opportunity came to move on from Sligo, and, and mm-hmm. an opportunity came up in the SPL with Dundee. Uh, was that a difficult decision for you? Um, 
not not really yeah to be honest because I got myself back on track after a few years of fucking jumping off the bandwagon. Um, and I, I felt as though I wanted to have another crack back over in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd had a conversation after the, after the cup final when we were on our third day of drinking. Um, <laughs> what kind of a conversation? It was like, I'm going to go yeah. to Scotland and you can't stop me. <laughs> I think... <laughs> it was pretty much yeah the two of us just steaming in Fiddler's Creek just chatting shit to each other um, he, he was he was obviously he was aware of of the opportunities that I had to go back across and and he said to me he said no I'm not going to try and convince you to stay if if it's something that you want to do you have to go and try it so um, him saying that was basically draw for me and because I, I had a great relationship with Cookie, yeah, um, and to have his blessing to move on meant it meant it meant that I was doing doing the right thing. Yeah, and how would so, you how would you sum up your time at Dundee? Shite. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. You ended up playing a couple of games. From in fairness, it just didn't go your way. Yeah, it, it, when I when I say shite, shite because I, I wanted to have more of an impact than I did. Um, Peter Houston signed me to a two and a half year deal and I thought he's fucking heavily invested in me here, you know? Yeah. And he didn't, he used to 15, 10, 15 minutes and say, I'll oh, go on and fucking see the game out for us, go on and keep the ball, slow the game down for us, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, just fucking put me on. I didn't, I'll do that for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he didn't start me until I think beginning of May or something. Uh, played against Celtic, played against Motherwell. And then it was the end of the season. And then the following season, I started the first seven, eight games and it was going really well. And then we played a game against St. Johnston, had an international break after it and came back and I was out of the team. Mad. And yeah, that, that, that was it. And he got sacked in the January. Jackie McNamara came in, had Celtic, a decent start under Celtic him. Celtic legend, Celtic legend, isn't it? Yeah, Celtic legend, yeah. Um, had a decent start under him. I thought, oh, he, he's having me. And then he went and signed one of his own midfielders from where he was, where he was the manager before at Partick Thistle. Um, so that was that was me out the door basically that summer. I just started looking for other options. I had another year left in the contract, but I knew I wasn't going to play. So um, I'd met my missus at that time in Dundee, and we were like, "Fuck it, let's just let's use football to go and travel." Yeah, and then but, you did. But you travelled home. I travelled home for six months. Yeah. <laughs> Let's use football to yeah. go and travel. Let's go to Dublin. I, I tried to drag me missus back to live in Dublin for six months. Yeah, just to say hello to the family before you fucked off again. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that that was that was a fucking funny story as well. Actually, I I, I knew there was in Canada, but it wasn't the team wasn't beginning until two thousand fourteen. Um, so I didn't want to waste half a year not playing football. Um, so I explored some options back in Ireland. And Sligo was one of them. Shamrock Rovers was the other option. I, I was literally off the ferry, had to pull over in a car park coming down from Belfast because I didn't know which fucking turn off I was going to take. No way. Yeah. And you went down the motorway to Dublin. Obviously, the toll was, you know, you had two tolls one way and there was only one the other. That, that was big. That was a big, big, big point for me there. Go on, 310, not to fear. Give me the 190. Let's go. <laughs> Shamrock Rover said they'd they, they give me a refund on, if I brought in the receipt. So, um, no, I actually, do you know what? I actually called, I called me dad and I called me best mate and I went for their advice. And they said, look, you've, you've been to Sligo before, you've done what you've done there. Maybe, maybe it's best for you to, to try your arm somewhere else. Yeah. So that was, that was it for me. And obviously took some abuse from, took some abuse from Sligo fans, but. And do you think it was, it, the, it was an opportunity for me to go play for Sean Rover So. And do you think looking back, was it the right decision? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. The Sligo yeah. fans love you again anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It was just, they were just a bit upset at the time. That's all. They got over it. Yeah. Well, well look, it, for me personally, it was an opportunity for me to go and play for another top club in Irish football. So, yeah. And, yeah, like, 
you know, there's there's a bit of fucking banter back and forth between fans within the league and stuff. But the reality of it is, Ambrose is a is a huge club in Irish history. So it was a chance for me to go and wear their jersey as well. Average Joe and the pro. So anyway, then you skip over to uh, stateside. You go to Canada first, wasn't it? Ottawa. Yeah, Canada first, Ottawa. Um, yeah, like I said, me and the missus were just like, fuck it, let's let's go and travel. Let's yeah. use football to go and see the world. And Ottawa was the, Ottawa was the opportunity that came up and looked appealing. Um, new, new club, building a new stadium, new facilities. And I was like, fuck it, yeah, then let's, let's go for it. Signed a one-year contract first because we had no idea how we'd settle in moving away from home, moving away from family. We found out a week before we we were that my wife was pregnant. Um, so we're like, fuck, are we making the right decision? Let's fucking go anyway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um and then yeah, like I think we're halfway through the first season and we loved it. And we decided to to sign a longer term contract then uh, yeah. for the following year. And, and yeah, we, we loved Ottawa. Um, and what great league, what league did they play in, Richie? NASL, which was the North American North American Soccer League. So you would have been traveling, traveling to America to play a lot of your games. Yeah, there was two Canadian teams. There was ourselves and Edmonton. Okay. Yeah. And then we used to travel to New York, Fort Lauderdale, Carolina, different cities. Wow. As well as that, you've 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 kind of hopped around America then as well in the last couple of years playing for a couple of different teams. One of the ones uh, that I saw that I that I liked was the the Miami FC team, not the Inter Miami one that they have now. Uh, the team folded yeah. folded a couple of years ago and then was re redone by David Beckham. But at the time, Maldini was involved with the club and was Nesta your manager when you were there? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Oh uh, now, in fairness, I I know you you were well past it, but I would have been cleaning that chap's boots every day <laughs> without him asking. <laughs> he didn't even wear boots. He'd be out there in a pair of fucking Adidas Ultra boots. I thought, just I thought you were going to say balls everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I thought okay. you were going to say like a pair of like suit shoes, and he was just so slick that he was. <laughs> he's Italian. Like he's Italian. He was a. He must have been an absolute pleasure to play under but like okay fair enough he's not a a world-renowned manager or anything like that but he has won it all i don't know if he was a pleasure to play under but it because he was a, a madman <laughs> all right okay was he lunatic <laughs> like w- when the games were being played carnage really, really? just abusing everybody in, Ita- <laughs> in italian yeah um <laughs> just all that all the fucking yeah, hand the hands and, uh, <laughs> oh the hand, uh, <laughs> and it, but like the most humble person you could ever meet. Really? Like it, the first day, the first day I got to the training grounds and I flew in from Jacksonville and we were training in the afternoon and he was standing outside the the training training ground door smoking a cigarette. Fuck, here's Alessandro Nesta. And then I look at him and I'm like, he doesn't give a fuck that he's Alessandro Nesta. <laughs> yeah. Like, He's just standing there smoking a cigarette. Uh, Richie, nice to meet you. Go inside. The guys are waiting to meet you. Amazing. How did he get on understanding the the, the Tipperary accent? Yeah. Um, I think he just thought I swore a lot. <laughs> which you do, in fairness. Which All Irish which, do. Which, yeah, all Irish do. That, that, that was my excuse for it. Um, and to be fair, I think we had that in common. When you signed... Um... For Miami from Jacksonville, there was a fee there, was there? I seen apparently so seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow, that's the record for yeah. the podcast. I didn't, I didn't see any of it. Beats my turn. Yeah, you don't get end. to see it, Grant. It was in Nesta's. Nest was buying fags with it. <laughs> <laughs> it means fuck all to me if I don't get any of it. Yeah, yeah, fair. But it's a nice, obviously a nice one to know that a, a club wants you and is willing to pay that much money to get you over there. Yeah, I was thirty-one at the time. And I, I'd gone to Jacksonville and the plan was to to try and move into coaching side of things at Jacksonville, play for as long as I could, but help out in the academy and stuff. And then I got a phone call from the, the technical director saying he wanted to come around to the house to to speak with me and, and my wife. And we had we had our little girl at that time as well. Um, and I'm saying, I said to my wife, I, I have no idea what the fuck this could be about. Like we, we'd spoken about coaching in the academy um, and then he knocks on the door and I look through the keyhole and I'm like, 
see the, I can see the technical director, I can see the head coach, and I can see the assistant coach, and I'm thinking, what the fuck are they doing with them? Let's get straight to the point. We've been knocking back offers for the last three weeks. Um, from Miami, they, they want to take you. Um, and finally, today, the owner was like, look, we need to just take the offer. Wow. Um, so then, yeah, I had a conversation with my agent, and oh, I was I was gone the next morning. That was like nine o'clock at night. I was on a, on a flight to Miami at 10 o'clock the next morning. And what was the what was the lifestyle like in Miami? I'm assuming not bad. It, it's it's paradise. I'd say. I, I, I was there a yeah, couple of years ago, and it is it is middle aged men with a lovely brown belly wearing leopard print thongs on the beach, and they're living the fucking dream. And I want to be there. I want to be there for the rest of my life. I oh, know. I was never. I was never walking along the beach like that. <laughs> lies. Absolute lies. <laughs> Um, no, it, it, it was brilliant. We were there. We were there for two years. Um, obviously, we we had a young family at the time, so my style in Miami was a little bit different to what it would have been if it was just me and my wife. But um, yeah, just it it's fucking paradise. It's yeah, it, it's a beautiful place, and we loved every second of it. Brilliant. Um, just another question because the the time that you were in the MLS was a very important time. Not MLS. Oh, yeah, so sorry. Okay, trying, to wind, trying to wind, trying to wind me up here. Well, I was trying to get to the MLS. I couldn't fucking get there. <laughs> but what I was going to say was the time that you were around when the MLS was picking up and they were signing big players, the likes of Thierry Henry's, uh, like Nesta going over as a coach, and he was a player coach as well, uh, Robbie Keane, David Beckham, those type players were on their way over there at this stage. Uh, David Villa, Pirlo, Lampard, maybe a little bit later on. But was there any stages in cup competitions where you would have played against those type of players? I played against Kaka. Um, we, we played against him in the US Open Cup for Miami. Um and thankfully, we we beat them, beat them three one in Orlando. So yeah, to to come up against players like him and New York Cosmos had Raúl and and Marcus Senna from Spain. Oh yeah, what a player he the was! Two, baller. Yeah, two two unbelievable players. Um, even when they were 36, 37 at the time, yeah, and they were still running running the show. Yeah. If you had to choose between Kaka and Joseph Ndo, who would you pick? Joseph Indo. Fact. So would I. Yeah. So All would day. I. A silly question for me then. <laughs> um, and then the opportunity came to go to FC Cincinnati. And, yeah. And I believe FC Cincinnati are in the MLS now. Yeah. But at the time, they weren't Richie. Um, at the time, they were, that was 18, and they were moving to the MLS in 2019. Okay. So that that was that was my fucking that was my route into the MLS. <laughs> and, it just never worked out again. And what 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 like did they have a conversation? <laughs> did they have a conversation with you towards the end of that season, twenty eighteen, to say, uh, like, look, there's a they were like, Richie, stop taking the fucking ball off the goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Spoke to Steve Evans on the phone. He said, stop taking the fucking ball off the keeper. Um, <laughs> was there? Like, an, was there ever a possibility that you're going to be playing MLS football the following season? Yeah, I had a contract yeah. to go MLS. And what happened? The manager just fucked me off. Oh. Um. So yeah, that that's that's another fucking story in itself. But I I signed a two year contract um with the club, and it was a huge opportunity for me not to get to the MLS, but to to play for FC Cincinnati. Um. Within US soccer, it's a fucking massive club. Yeah, we were playing in the USL at that time in 2018, and we were average average fans every week was 25,000. Wow, um, which has never been seen in in a second division over here. Mm. Um, so massive club, and when I knew they were interested, I was like, yeah, let, let's do it. It got them to give a two year deal which was a guarantee one-year USL and a guarantee one-year MLS. Okay, I'll be 34, but maybe I'll, I'll get to play fucking two games. Yeah. Um, and in 2018, I had multiple conversations with the head coach where, like, obviously it was a tricky time for players because to know halfway through the season, am I going to the 
not because if not I need to know so I can organise a new club and move elsewhere a new club yeah you're okay you're okay you're on the contract for next year you're part of their plans for next year and I'm thinking okay no problem yeah and then the meetings we had at the end of the season he said oh obviously there's there's rules and regulations with regards to the MLS we have to have a certain amount under the age of 26 and the salary cap and all this bollocks and I'm just sitting there fucking tell me the truth yeah like just if you don't, if you don't want me to be here tell me and he was just beating about the bush beating about the bush and then he was like in two weeks after the what do they call it the fucking draft yeah. the college draft and I said to him Alan if you're waiting to bring in a fucking college player instead of me just tell me now yeah and he was like, no, that's not what we're waiting for, whatever. So I had to wait for another two weeks to have another, another conversation with him. Just fucking tell me. I'm 33, 34 years of age. I've been around the game for a while. Yeah. I can take the bar with the good, you know. And I'm like, Alan, I've got a wife and two kids at home. Fucking tell me. Yeah. And I can go home and organize my family. Yeah, it was just the way he went about things was, was not the way I think it should have been done. And then obviously you moved to, to Texas. Just down, down to the sunshine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Down to <laughs> El Paso. El Paso, Texas, yeah. Um, the head coach that was here, um, he, he was one of my assistant coaches at Jacksonville when I was there for a few months. And we'd always, we'd always kept in touch. And when he knew that there was a bit of conflict at Cincinnati, um, he, he gave me a phone call and said, look, if, if it doesn't work out for you there, I want to bring you down here. I, I knew he was going to bring some good players and I'd spoken with him about the players he was going to bring and I, I knew we were, going to, we were going to have a decent team. And you're enjoying life there at the moment, yeah? Yeah, we've been, we've been here over three years now. So we're happy here, have a home here. Um, kids are happy, kids are in school. Mrs. is happy, which is important. So um, yeah, we... we loved our time here it's, it's a place that's grown upon us a lot um, we've loved our time here and I'm still trying to contribute as much as I can on and off the field really important question here now for you do you own either a pair of cowboy boots or a cowboy hat yet absolutely not <laughs> not yet I, uh, I have no I have value for my friends at home yeah. <laughs> I, I want to keep them friendships for, yeah. for life so yeah, I, I think I might run the risk of losing them if if I bounced up down in Tipperary with a pair of cowboy boots on. <laughs> to be fair, tip has changed, my friend. <laughs> tip has changed. <laughs> I've got to stick the boot cut jeans back on when I walk yeah. in. The room. <laughs> and uh, you just kind of touched on it there, on and off the field, Richie. Um, is it fair to say that you're coming towards maybe the end of your playing, playing career? Don't say uh, it, Connor. <laughs> Don't, just leave it out. Touchy, touchy subject yeah. uh, but like what, no, it, what what's the plan fair to say it. what's the plan yeah. Richie um yeah to, to move into coaching yeah um, that's the that's the plan that's that's what I want the plan to be um like I said earlier in the pod I didn't stick in in school I've got fucking zero qualifications apart from over 20 years in football so yeah um I, I hope that the experience that I've had over the 20 years and and obviously going through the the coaching courses and stuff like that i hope that somebody is stupid enough to give me a job when <laughs> when when i retire from playing and you're on, you're on the badges now are you yeah it, it's been difficult for me to do them back home to be honest because i i know the players one that they do back home at the end of every season yeah they do it straight after the season like the following weekend, I think they begin it. And that just hasn't worked for me because thankfully we've made playoffs every year over here. Right, okay. Um, so I, I, I've started the path now on the on the US ones. So I've just, just finished just finished my B license with the US Soccer Federation. Lovely. Okay. Well, we wish you the best of luck with that, obviously. Um, hopefully when a player takes a pass off a goalkeeper, you're not going to be screaming and roaring at them. <laughs> I, I think it's highly important you encourage that type of football. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, so really appreciate the time. What we're going to do is we're not going to go near the, the Instagram questions, okay? Because it's just you've, we've taken up loads of your time. We really appreciate it. But I just have one more question for you, okay? 
What's the difference between Irish fans and American fans? I was going to say American football fans, but that's American soccer fans. <laughs> They're far nicer over here. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> they say things like, he's a crybaby. <laughs> Yeah, they're like I sort of miss, and I've missed it for the whole time over here. Is the abuse that you get from fans <laughs> and the banter? Thankfully, my mom or sister hasn't been slagged over here, so yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, it it's a lot more uh, vicious back home. Are you settled in America now, or do you think you'll come home? I don't think we ever know. Yeah, <laughs> us, us as a family, we we've we've settled, said that we're settled, and then we move. You know, I'm I'm very fortunate that the missus is, she's quite open to the lifestyle that football brings. Yeah. And I think for me, it's important now that we have a little bit of stability for the kids. Um, you know, our our oldest kid is going to be eight this year, so she she's making friends and she's in school full time, and I I don't want to be pulling her from pillar to post. Yeah, of um, course. So I I, I think. For now, America's going to be home. Um, but for how long, it's hard to tell. Because you, you, in football, you never know. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, we might see a coaching or on the sidelines here in the League of Ireland um, in the near future, which be I great. think a lot of a lot of fans would, would only love. Well, I'll definitely be back in the stands to watch a couple of games at some stage anyway. Yeah. And we could spot you because you'd have the cowboy hat on. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboy boots coming down the path. Howdy. Look, an absolute pleasure, Richie. You've been an absolute gem of a guest. Uh, Thank you for all the stories. Wow, amazing, amazing stuff. Best of luck with the rest of your career. And hopefully, like we said, we'll see you again very soon. Thanks, Richie. Brilliant, lads. Thanks very much. Average Joe and the Pro. Oh my God, Richie Ryan, what an absolute gent of a man. You can tell, you can tell that he's that Tipperary mentality all the way through his career. A real battler, great footballer, lovely lad, and an absolute pleasure to talk to. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I was just going to say, I love your reactions every time afterwards. Every, every single, you go back, you you go, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. See, I, I, yeah, it's like I'm bungee jumping or something. I come back, I'm like, that was amazing. I know that's one ticked off my bucket list. I have to have a little bit of enthusiasm because what what you was like, I'm like, hey, whoa, what a podcast. You're like, yeah, <laughs> he was good, wasn't he? Been, been around the block a few times. I'm like, okay, but he was, he was great, isn't he? He was brilliant. There Honestly, we go. That sounds, now was, you sound better, don't you? He was great. He was, he was, um, what a career. And honestly, honest to God, like I've, I've seen him play and um, when he was at Sligo Rovers, one of the best players to ever play in, in the league, and that is not a that is not a joke. Like, yeah. honestly, class footballer. Uh, he's kind of like a the Irish Xavi Alonso. That's exactly how I would describe him. Yeah, Le- that lefty, cultured left footed, gorgeous uh, footballer. Yeah, centre mid footballer, sexy football. Just honestly, it just comes easy to him. You know, horny stuff. Horny. <laughs> <laughs> Right, the podcast was long enough, um, which was great. What we'll do is now is just ask you to like, subscribe, give us a review, do all those podcasty things, and we'll be back next week. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll talk to you again very soon. The crowd are on their feet. Average Joe and the pro. It's all over. If you like what you heard, please make sure to subscribe to the show and tell your friends to check it out too. And if you fancy leaving a review, it'll help other average Joes and potential pros find our series.